Hey everyone, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the podcast. If you're a fan of the show, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a review. We love to hear from our fans. Uh, if you'd like the first issue of my horror series, Man of Sin, for absolutely free, please go to aguildy.com forward slash free comic. That's A-G-U-I-L-D-E dot com forward slash free comic. Enjoy. Record. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the podcast. Today, I have Nathan Luth. Is it Luth, right? Luth. Nathan, <laughs> Nathan Luth. He is uh, the artist and creator behind uh, the awesome comic Impure Blood. Uh, Impure Blood Volume 2 is currently on Kickstarter. Um, he's an amazing artist, someone who, um, spoiler alert, who I'll be actually working with uh, in the near future. And it's really great to have him wow. on. So, Nathan, thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So uh, let's just kind of, I guess, kick this right off with, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if someone's not familiar with uh, Impure Blood, can you kind of just let them know what it's all about and kind of uh, what volume one was about and where volume two, uh, what, you know, what that what's that all about? Absolutely. Impure Blood is a steam fantasy epic. Uh, story starts out... Uh, a mysterious young lady frees an enslaved gladiator from captivity because she believes he holds the key to tracking down the last full-blooded member of his uh, ancient mystical people. Uh, let's see. Uh, bef- the only catch is there seems to be an army of monsters uh, hot on the trail that also seems to have the same mission. Uh, so uh, that was volume one. That was the main thrust of volume one, but now in volume two, they have to return to the city that they just escaped and uh, they find the joint on fire. Uh, <laughs> bit of a problem. And they're kind of in a race against uh, said army to track down a artifact that has ties to uh, the ancient mystical bloodlines. They find the head of uh, the army of golems it, in the center of the city and just like by his very existence he throws the loyalties of everyone in the party like askew so uh this is uh this is where the stuff really hits the fan in volume two this is our this is our empire right here so <clears throat> so i'm really thrilled to actually have it out i am uh i am so proud of this villain i love this guy so much he uh he's kind of he comes from the Magneto uh, Killmonger school of villainy and everything. So it's just, uh, and he's just a, a, a suave mofo to, to boot. So uh, I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to roll him out here. That's, that's awesome, man. So like, uh, you know, you're the, you're the first artist I've had uh, on the, on the podcast. I've, I've mostly just, you know, uh, you know, hung out and talked to writers. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to pick your brain kind of from the other side of the coin and kind of see how, what it's like kind of making comics from the artist's perspective. Um, just like right off the bat, like all that thing, like it sounds like super epic and, and, and really just like high fantasy. And I, I know it's a steampunk thing as well. So like, what's your favorite part about drawing this series? Oh, um, my favorite part was just the ability to uh, cr- kind of create a world. Uh, let's see, uh, the writer, Nadia, Nadia Bear, kind of gave me a lot of free range as far as the aesthetic of the piece. Um, so, 
the looks of the cities were inspired by, I've, I've had the opportunity to uh, travel around in Europe quite a bit. So each city that they visit uh, is kind of inspired by a different city that I had the chance to visit. Um, uh, there is a, a bit of a bit of a spoiler, not a huge spoiler, but uh, they're, they find themselves in a mad scientist laboratory out in uh, uh, the salt flats uh uh, in this world. And it's, I don't even, I honestly don't even remember where I got the idea, but, uh, it's a quartz cave. So it's a cave like made of quartz crystals. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little extra proud of that idea as you might be able to tell, but yeah, just the ability to kind of breathe life and flush this stuff out and just, uh, kind of have it be my own personal sandbox was like, just candy for me uh and yeah and also the character the characters as well uh uh, i am a big fan of character design uh very uh strongly influenced by nobuo ematsu of uh, final fantasy fame uh i I use less belts than he does (laughs) uh but uh but uh i why i could never have too many belts or pouches uh, but, um, but uh, like the thing that I like about his character designs that I try to incorporate into my own is uh, it, it really kind of met, uh, blurs that line between clothing, functional clothing, and uh, costume costumery. So um, to our eyes in our world. Uh, especially around the Final Fantasy seven, eight, nine kind of era, it will, you know, to our eyes in our world, it looks like costumery, but it actually, in context of that world, it actually would be functional. You know, this is like actually looks like something somebody would wear around, and and uh, uh, and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of also the aesthetic that I went for. I uh, it. I mean, a lot of cool. You can get a lot of cool costumes out of some of these uh, more extreme uh, costume designs and character designs, but, but a lot of the times it looks like that's not that's something you and you see it at cons too. You see people trying to wear this stuff around, and it's not really functional, and and it's just kind of like yeah, you know, somebody wouldn't really wear that for more than you know ten minutes, or it's a costume. You know, that's not actually functional. So. So that's kind of what I was going for as far as the character design aesthetic. And also to, you know, communicate what the characters are about and what their history and outlook and, uh, and uh, a a kind of general demeanor are, um, you know, in the same way that uh, you or I or anybody is kind of, you know, making a bit of a statement with the clothes they wear, whether it's conscious or not. Yeah. I know, um, one thing that I've really loved about your art since, you know, we first kind of met and I, I saw your stuff with uh, uh, your short stories in uh, uh, Cthulhu's Hard to Spell is that you have not only such a great eye for storytelling, which I was like really blown away by your storytelling ability from Thank like you. panel to panel and Patriots. Yeah, man, I, I really mean that. You're Thank really, you. really great artist, man. Um, like there's great artists where like they have like really good pinups, but like they try to do subsequent you know storytelling, yeah. and it just for whatever reason it doesn't just doesn't translate. Uh, yeah. Or other or, or other artists that um, might not be like you wouldn't wouldn't go wow that they're you know such a 
amazing blow you out of the water but their storytelling is so rich and, and just mm-hmm. and you have that nice marriage of really really awesome art and and great storytelling um so like besides the storytelling it was the details in those worlds that you were creating that really kind of drew me um to your work um what you know what what goes into that like is that something that you just like to do is that like a conscious thing for the world like because not you know i not every comic needs it but it seems like that's a recurring theme in your work is like i'm sure you spent so much time on that crystal clay cave that like courts (laughs) like i could just tell because because of your art that i know like you were like up for like two days straight with bloodshot eyes and bleeding fingernails because i I know Um, how much detail you put into each every single panel so like like i don't i don't want you to stop doing that but like i know that's that's your style so where how did that come about where does that come from all that good stuff um well environment definitely came from ironically the fact that i for the longest time i hated drawing backgrounds Uh, um and uh yeah you know so it always be the characters on the white void kind of situation um and until let's see i heard i was at some kind of panel about uh and one about i think it was about environments and drawing backgrounds because i figured like okay how do I start doing this? And one of the things that I don't even remember who the speaker was, but uh, one of the things that was mentioned was that this is a chance to tell a little bit, a little narrative about the character and uh, about the, and in, in the event that you get to uh, design a world, this is a little bit of a chance to tell a story about the world. <clears throat> so, uh, and I think the, uh, I, and I think the example they gave was like a, a panel from a Deadpool comic where it was just, you know, like Deadpool's crappy apartment. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, do whatever the hell okay. you want. No, we're in Deadpool's shitty apartment. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's your standard bare table, chairs, uh, uh, kind of, you know, window kind of thing, you know, nothing particularly special. So that was like the example A that he gave. Then he showed another shot of the same panel and there's like a box of fruit loops and like the uh, newspaper open to the funny pages and like a porno pinup in the background because it's Deadpool and uh, I don't know, like a mouse trap with a teddy bear in it and just uh, all this random stuff. So uh, a lot to be inferred. Uh, from, you know, those two panel comparisons, you know, you learn a lot more about Deadpool and his personality, obviously, from the second one. Or, you know, more famously, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's opening to Rear Window, where it's just this one long uh, panning shot of of, uh, the the guy's photos and awards and stuff like that, and it tells you kind of like all about dude without saying a word. Uh, So I, I was inspired a lot by that. And then also by Bill Amend's Foxtrot, of all things, uh, where he likes to throw in little in-jokes in the backgrounds and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, you can, uh, it just, and part of it is honestly boredom. Uh, and, uh, you're in this situation and, okay, I have to draw a mad scientist laboratory. 
well, what can I throw in there? What will people notice? Uh, I think uh, uh, if you look closely, there's a coffee mug that says world's greatest mad scientist, actually. So, uh, uh, so just like little stuff like that. It's just when you're working on like people approach background, a lot of artists approach backgrounds like it's a chore and I try to make it fun. Yeah, I, I try to have fun with it. And I figure if, you know, you're going to be, if you're diving into this thing and, you know, maybe it's not necessarily your jam, you know, make it fun. And then that will in turn translate to the audience. So. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a, a great answer. And I got to rectify this. Uh, you are not the first artist on here. Oh. I had another artist, but he was, he was like, he was like a, a writer artist. I've heard. Yes, I'm sorry. As <laughs> I as I said that, so uh, do you know who Richard Fairgray is? Uh, I'm afraid not. Um, he uh, he's a he's from New Zealand. He's uh, in the oh. anthology I'm in as well. But he's did uh, oh. uh, he did a comic called Blastosaurus and Black Sand Beach. Um, I highly recommend him. He's um, uh, those comics are great. But um, he does something um, very similar with like background stuff. I don't think it's that, it's not as as detailed as yours. But um, anyways, hmm. if Richard's hearing this, Richard was the first. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nathan, you're the second. Yeah. I gotta. It's gotta, okay. Gotta, it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess you know um, my next question would be: This is something that. Um, you know, me and you connected with when we started talking about, you know, uh, possibly working together in the future. And it's something I noticed in your work um, was that a lot of your work, maybe even all of it, I'm not entirely sure, um, has to usually has a really strong female protagonist, kind of like what what draws you to those type of stories? Because I know in your um, uh, your short stories, uh, Cthulhu is hard to spell, it seemed like uh it was a female protagonist in, in pure blood. It is as well. And then our story that, you know, will eventually come out here soon. Um, mm-hmm. We'll have a female protagonist. So like, what is it about these, these stories um, with strong female protagonists that kind of draws you to want to draw them? Uh, Cause they're cool. <laughs> Cause they're ba- why the hell not? <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Um, well, uh, yeah, actually, that is kind of part of it. It's kind of like why the why the hell not? Um, I I have personally been a fan of a lot of female action heroes coming up. Uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, of course, is probably the biggest one. Uh, uh, not to so- cut you off, man, but I missed that train. Like my whole family, yeah, right. for whatever reason, is it like? they all would sit around the TV and watch it. And yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I must've been, I don't know, maybe a junior or senior in high school. And like, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to be sitting down with my family, but I missed that train. Right. And like, I feel like now that I'm adult and I talk to mm-hmm. comic people, they always are yeah. talking to me about Buffy. And I'm like, I, I gotta go like rewatch that because everyone keeps talking about it. my family talks about it. I missed the train, man. So Buffy's one I got to yeah. get, get on. There you go. Um, let's see. Some people have told me uh, it has not. I haven't. It's been a while since I watched it the last, and some people have told me it hasn't aged well. But I and here Jeff Reed is kind of right now. Um, but uh, but uh, I will stand by the ideals and the uh, and I will stand by the ideals and the. Uh, what it inspired in me and uh, what it inspired in 
loads of other fans, both male and female. So uh, even if it hasn't aged well, even if the execution hasn't been as good as wasn't as good as it could have been, uh, the spirit is absolutely there, and uh, I uh, and it is something that has you know become a part of the matrix of who I am. Um, but yeah, I, and I always remember. But yeah, that was one of the things I always remember having this conversation about uh, how uh, Hollywood producers are always, uh, well, the idea was that um, female audiences could empathize better with male protagonists, whereas male protagonists could not uh, identify so well with female protagonists, which uh, which is, of course, a, a load of hogwash. Uh, oh, wait, I can swear. Bullshit. What should I say? Um, so, yeah. And, uh, like, but yeah, uh, Ripley from uh, the Alien franchise. Uh, uh, like, I always, it, it just always struck me as a, like, why, why not kind of thing. So, um, and, and, yeah, I am, uh, oh, oh, uh, um, uh, Lyra from uh, 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 his Dark Materials trilogy is also one that uh, really uh, stuck with me as well. Um, but yeah, a again, again, it was just always a I don't understand why this isn't a thing or why and oh, and also a uh, martial artist as a kid and uh, into my adulthood a little bit and I've been kicked in the head by women plenty so uh, under, <laughs> under underestimate uh, underestimate. Uh, women at your peril um so yeah no i just uh i and, and that uh star trek then of course firefly and i i and i just always i never understood why that was like a barrier for at least you know the people who were in charge and funding the show so um well as for why i seem to uh Continue. Uh, part of it has been a conscious choice in so far as uh, trying to. Well, well, actually, initially it was not a conscious choice. Um, I got to work on Impure Blood, which was, uh, of course, penned by a woman. Um, uh, three out of the five main characters are female, and I didn't. I just didn't treat them any differently. You know, I, you know, tried not to do like the male gaze stuff, even though like before I was even aware of like the male gaze, I was just like, I'm not doing the butt shot. I'm not doing the, uh, you know, all all this kind of stuff. I'm going to, I'm not going to do the sexy pose thing. I, I'm going to treat, I'm going to frame these characters and pose them as much as I can the way I think, uh, uh, as the same as as much as I would a male character in the same ways that I would a male character. So, um, um, and yeah, as I continue and now as we're currently in our, this political moment that we're in social moment that we're in, um, even honestly, just from a aesthetic and a visual perspective, let's, I'm kind of like how, let's mix it up a little bit. I have seen, you know, a white heterosexual male protagonist so many freaking times. I mean, it's just kind of, it's boring, quite frankly, at this point. Um, Again, harking back to my Final Fantasy character design aesthetic, uh, the most interesting 
uh, characters to me in those were always the most alien and least human. Um, uh, Vin- Vincent uh, Red Thirteen or, or uh, uh, from Seven. Uh, 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 what's the What's the one big guy looks like Mog, but he has a cat on him. Yeah, yeah, Kate Sith or Kate Sheet, depending on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so like, I just like, oh man, those are awesome character designs, and uh, it, yeah. So just the first, uh, and that's kind of why it, it, the character designs of, or, or at least the characters of Final Fantasy VIII were like a little boring to me, just because they were also, you know, normal <laughs> looking. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so yeah, just I like. I like a, I like a visual diversity in my cast is the other thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it probably gets boring to draw like you know, five guys like in a warehouse all the mm-hmm. time. Like I'm sure sure that gets boring. So yeah, it's right. probably good. So you you've mentioned this a couple of times. Like it seems like Final Final Fantasy, especially seven. Yeah, a big seven, role. absolutely. Yeah, that was that, so was, like, my what, that was my gateway drug. Uh, what about Final Fantasy VII? Like, what hooked you with that? Because I, I feel like uh, mm-hmm. I feel like Final Fa- whatever it was about Final Fantasy VII, it pivoted your life. Like, there was like yeah. Nathan before Final Fantasy VII, and Nathan. I can see, yeah, I see. In your, in the- <laughs> He's, I have a picture of Cloud Strife on the wall behind me. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah, which is, which is uh, awesome because I I distinctly there's probably. There's two games in my life, both of them for the PS One. When I was a, you know, I think I was in middle school um, when they came out. Um, mm-hmm. That I that are still with me to this day, and that's mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII and Resident mm-hmm. Evil Two. Nice, yeah. Like those were the two games that like I could I still have like probably my fondest memories with. But like you mentioned it a couple times, so like what is it about Final Fantasy that kind of oh man it, it, that draws you to it? Right. Well, it was. It was my first video game RPG experience, for one. Um, so, like, I was kind of familiar with uh, turn-based uh, combat systems a little bit because I'd played, hey, I'd played D&D in uh, high school and stuff like that. Uh, and my girlfriend, at the, at my high school girlfriend, uh, played Pokemon and, you know, kind of, you know, made, made me try that once or twice. Uh uh, so, but as far as playing a video game and getting a, an actual story out of it, that was like, whoa, you know, and it, and not just, you know, like a kind of a story that drove the narrative and drove you from one action to the other. It's like, oh my God, I care about these characters, these little uh, pixely, uh, uh, you know, kind of well-rendered characters, uh, you know, like, holy cow, you know, I, I care about what happens to them and, uh, and their motivations. And, you know, I just like, you know, it took me, by, took me by surprise. And it was, um, and it became one of those things where after, what, what, you know, you can, you know, you've consumed a piece of media that, uh, it is going to stick with you when you're still thinking about it like weeks after <laughs> you finish it. Or like so, 25 years after. Yeah, yeah. Or, or in, yeah, shut up. You're right, yeah. yeah no, or I mean, in, not, in this case, yeah, 25 yeah. years. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm, it's, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to think whenever that came out, it has to be probably t- 25 yeah, years or so. Yeah, 97, I want to say. Uh, yeah. I remember 
I remember, um, yeah, people in high school talking about it for me. So that was that, right? And I totally just dated myself. Um, but, uh, <laughs> hey, I did right from the beginning, yeah. man. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's true. Um, yeah, but, have you played but, the Have you played the new one, the the remake? Uh, the remake. Uh, I, I I I've been watching it, but uh, and I've really been enjoying that. I've really been enjoying uh, the extra parts that they've added into it. Uh, it which at first I was kind of like ah filler, but then it's kind of like oh no, this is actually you know relevant to the story and they're expanding these characters and uh speaking of uh strong female protagonists i really 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 love the relationship that between tifa and Aerith now that they're kind of like buds and everything so i like that's that is brilliant like that is fantastic i love that uh like that is a great way to uh kind of kind of make that uh love triangle thing work just a little bit better and be that just it's just better <laughs> yeah um but yeah uh it just yeah it just hit all my buttons it's a great story uh i uh i had uh well-rounded and thoughtful characters uh it had great character design and a great world design and uh, it also is like, what, magic and sci-fi in the same thing? No, you know. Uh, and uh, also I, I had played a lot of Shadowrun at the time as well. So, uh, uh, so yeah, it just like, boom. It, it was one of those things that was, came at me and hit me right where I lived. And I, I've kind of been, uh, I'm, I'm, an unashamed and unbashed Final Fantasy VII fanboy ever since. So I'm, uh, I'm 100%, I will 100% own that. That's awesome, man. Uh, It's just, uh, I feel like it's one of those like really uh, not polarizing games, but like one of those games where, you know, if you're our age, I think pretty much everyone who put their hands on it, as deep fond memories because there was there was nothing like that at the time like you said that married um game not gameplay but graphics like that was the first like cut scenes (laughs) that were like movies yeah Um, that's right right yeah and yeah uh it was yeah i found memories uh, of both final fantasy 7 and um Mm. resident evil 2 like resident evil 2 for me was the first game i was actually terrified of like i remember oh, playing it with the lights off and like being actually yeah. scared yeah, yeah I, I saw it played at parties a bunch and that, that was like the the thing that my group did uh like turn turn off the lights you know grab grab the beers and uh, uh and play resident evil and just uh and oh and fatal frame as well and you know like the it it was very much like watching a horror movie because like the the ladies in the room would scream at just the right at the right time and like everybody's on the edge of their seat watching it and yeah it, it was it was very much it, it was very much like watching a horror movie in a party or something like that so you know. yeah yeah that's awesome I, I um, on haircut for a minute <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so um kind of going off that the the horror thing for a little bit um mm-hmm. kind of want to talk about your your short stories um cuz i'm in the you know mostly in the horror realm as a writer mm-hmm. um what kind of um drew you to want to do do um 
those uh, short stories in the uh, Cthulhu's hard to spell. Uh, Cthulhu. Uh, I, I guess. I guess before we we get into that, can you just kind of describe the stories for everyone, anyone right. who hasn't seen them? Right. Um, so the one that I wrote and drew for uh, the first Cthulhu is hard to spell uh, book uh, is called The Art of Losing, and it came. That one came from. Uh, it came from a very hard place in my life um, where <clears throat> uh, forgive me. I don't want to go into too many personal details on a uh, public forum, but uh, I went through a point in which I, my, my world was ending. It was like the life that I built. Uh, it was becoming clear that there was no, that that wasn't, it was no longer viable. It was like something had to give. And I uh, had to, and that I was going to have to give up something precious to me. Like my, it felt very much like my world was ending. And so uh, uh, Russell Nolte, the guy that uh, compiled uh, uh, the Cthulhu, his art to spell books, um, kind of uh, put out a call for, uh, for short stories for the book. Um, and it was, you know, the peanut butter and chocolate moment in my brain. Like, how can I apply this? Like, can I apply this to uh, a Lovecraftian ideal, a Lovecraftian element? Um, <clears throat> which it, 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 on the one, one hand, I was kind of like, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of the opposite of Lovecraft. This is an extremely personal and subjective story. And uh, Lovecraft is kind of all about, you know, your shit doesn't matter in the grand scheme of the cosmos. Um, but but uh, The Art of Losing is more, much more about, uh, it's totally about this one lady's personal journey through her loss and her grief and uh, and about how her personal issues still matter despite the fact that literally the world is ending <laughs> around her. So, uh, and so, uh, oh, um, uh, shout, shout out and credit where it's due, of course, uh, the art of losing from, uh, the poem, uh, one art by, uh, Elizabeth Bishop. So, uh, if you, if you haven't heard it, go, uh, go check it out. Uh, it's, uh, awesome. One of my yeah, favorites. I- I think that's, you know, I, I really love that, that story. I think because uh the fact that it kind of turned Lovecraft, that Lovecraftian theme of, mm. you know, your, that kind of nihilistic theme of where you're nothing in the grant, like you're literally, you're literally a dust mite to, right. in the universe. Mm-hmm. Like you mean your, your wants, your needs, like that's, kind of what Lovecraft does and then you kind of flipped and said well in spite of all that there are still human elements and you still matter right because like this big huge literally world ending thing is going around where you should be you should be like you know what I I probably don't matter like none of this really matters and then really um the way you know I think it's beautifully done and you do a really good job with it you have that emotional hook that despite all this it does still matter Right. And I think that's, that was really cool. And I really, you know, um, I really enjoyed um, reading it and I really enjoyed, you know, you sharing that with, you know, bringing that out to the world. Cause I think it probably, it probably helped 
a lot of people out, you know, like anyone reading that story definitely had to feel something. Right. right. So I, I think that's, okay. you know, hallmarks of a, of a good story and a good, you know, obviously coupled with your art too, because you're a great storyteller and the details in it, um, it really draws you in. So, I mean, I think you did a fantastic job with that, man. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome, man. Uh, Anytime. <laughs> I say, you know, you keep giving me compliments. I'm going to like keep talking to you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, what, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, and what about the other one? I know there was uh, the other one. I think that's the one uh, Russell Nolte um, he drew, correct? Or he wrote, uh, excuse me. Uh, let's see. I, are you talking about Sucker or are you talking about the uh, uh, the other Cthulhu? Uh, I believe it was the one where they're like playing soccer. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was, that was by Russell and that, that was, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, cause I, I enjoyed his writing and his work for, uh, a, a little bit up beforehand. And this, that was just kind of like shortly after I'd met his acquaintance and, uh, and he was like, Hey, I'm putting out the, this thing, uh, for another anthology, uh, Charlie Foxtrot, um, uh, proceeds of which went to uh, disabled American veterans. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm putting out the story. You want to, you want to take a crack at this? And I'm like, do I? And, uh, and yeah, it's about a, a squad of soldiers who are kind of isolated uh, in the ruins of Toledo, Ohio. And, and, you know, they're alone. They're, bug hunting if you uh you know in the in the, in the starship trooper sense of the words and that's uh, what i felt i don't mean to cut you off but i felt like uh it was very starship troopery yeah very much so yeah was, uh, <laughs> which is an I, underrated film by the way oh so underrated oh my goodness like i if you like the people that call that like one of the worst films or whatever i was like you're not getting it at all are you <laughs> like, uh, yeah it's it's um for whatever reason, I, I loved it a lot when I was when it first came out and I was younger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember yeah. where I, what how old I was. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but then I I didn't like it because I felt I was like, oh, this is cheesy. Like in my my mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. early twenties, like mm-hmm. it's gotta be you know yeah, yeah you know it's gotta be you know Martin mm-hmm. Scorsese or you yeah, know right, whatever Tarantino. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm a little bit older and I'm like I we watched it recently, probably mm-hmm. like a couple months ago. I was like, no. This is still good. Oh god! Oh god! Like, I was I was I was wrong in the middle. <laughs> right, right. It happens. Uh, it it happens. I went through. Uh, I ashamed as I am to admit it. I went through a phase where I was like, Ghostbusters, man. But <laughs> as a kid, like by rights, there should be some Ghostbusters on the wall back here behind me. But uh, you know, I went through this. I, I went through this phase where I was too cool for it and uh, got ri- got rid of all my Ghostbusters uh, action figures, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, but that is the great thing about coming back and rediscovering some of these things in your adulthood is because you're like, hey, wait a minute. That's about fascism. <laughs> so- yeah. uh, very much so, right? Like, it's like mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a very, very thinly uh, <laughs> veal. Like, it's like right there in the open. Right, you right, you you'd think that you you think that, but there's loads of people out there that are like, no, it's so you know, like that are completely uh, fooled and deceived by the uh, by the fact that it's all pre- pretty white people and uh, a, a cheesy like under the, in the guise of a cheesy sci-fi movie and all all this other stuff, and I'm like, how how are you not 
seeing this and what, uh, which is also kind of why I'm always like, uh, when somebody loves the criticism of, oh, they were beating us over the head with the theme of X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. I'm kind of like, one, one man's foreshadowing is another person's beating you over the head, uh, honestly, because some people are going to get it and other people are not. So no, mat- no matter what, no matter how thinly or thickly you veil it. So it's just kind of like, you know, put it out there, tell your thing and, you know, Everybody, everyone's a critic. Yeah, I mean, people people are gonna, you know, one thing I, I've learned and I lean into is that I just write what the stories that I would want to read, but no one else has made yet. No, and I think that that has got to be the key to it. I think. Yeah, and like, yeah. I just stay true to myself, what I want to do, and if if it resonates with people, it resonates with people. If it doesn't, at least I got something to show my daughter when she's older. <laughs> there you go there you i go. mean that, that's like uh, i'm not making it for anyone else like really at the, at the end of the day i want to make the best story i can but really it's all about you know for me creating something that i want to see made in the world that no one else can make there you and go that's just you know that's kind of how i look at it if i'm i think as soon as you start like thinking about like oh man i think this is going to be like the critics are going to love this like i think right. that's when you're dead that's when that's when you need to stop yeah you, you can't you you play for the critics too much you're gonna wind up with stuff like uh i don't know that well uh, the oscar made movies the uh, uh jim carrey's uh some of his later films and uh and stuff like that where you're, try, you're doing the look at me i'm deep kind of thing i, I mean that I like depth. Depth is good. I think stories need a message and uh, themes and an end zone and boundaries and stuff. But uh, if you start disappearing up your own butt, you're gonna, <laughs> you, yeah. Well, you're, you're gonna you're gonna go the Shyamalan route, quite frankly. So right, right, for yeah. sure. So, so the what was it like? You know, you the one short story uh, you wrote. Um, and illustrated mm-hmm. and then um, you had Nadia write all of Impure Blood you worked mm-hmm. with uh, Russell on the other short mm-hmm. story um, what's the difference between you writing and creating your own work between you mm-hmm. illustrating someone else's stuff right um, the biggest challenge for me <clears throat> was definitely uh, I am a I've heard that people have there are two types of internal narratives like uh, uh, some people think in concepts and ideas and then they have to translate that into language and words and uh and english stuff um and then other people like have an actual fully formed uh like words that like they think in words and stuff like that and surprising no one uh as an artist i tend to think more on concepts and uh and sometimes struggle to uh to put that into language um so for for the art of losing it was very much a I, I, and i did I, I did worry a little bit about you know beating people over the head like is this going to be too obvious is this too transparent um but uh, uh make making sure that a what i wanted to come across is coming across uh without being over the top and kind of, you know, walking the dog and, uh, and being super blatant about it. Um, and, and also, uh, uh, not giving into 
tropes too much or trying to be too cliche and kind of let, you know use things that I've seen everywhere but then I suppose that's a, every a writer to some degree or another um and and dialogue uh dialogue is tricky so you I I found myself reading stuff out loud a lot just to make sure that it sounded natural so uh I, t- I totally I, I gained a new sympathy for actors also who have to sometimes you know uh, say things that writers have written and didn't really you know think about how like how you actually need to say it um so for the yeah so for the writing writing for myself was definitely an exercise in uh making sure what was in my head was coming across um writing uh working for other people uh is sometimes a challenge i mean uh russell was great uh nadia gave me a lot of freedom as i mentioned Uh, um let's see um but i i've also had the experience where uh, i don't know if you've heard uh like the, the rule in comics is uh for writers uh the axiom i've heard is that you're not writing for the audience you're writing for the artist uh you're you're trying to convey to the artist what's uh, going on and inspire the artist and uh, stuff like that and i have had it happen that i've uh read the script and uh, uh, texted or emailed or called the writer to for a little bit of clarification because I wasn't wasn't sure that I was entirely getting it. Uh, you know, asking questions like, "What's this character's motivation? What's this person feeling like? Uh, can I put X Y Z in the background? Is is there a stairway later uh, <laughs> later on in the scene?" Um, and uh, the writer got very. Uh, offended by the fact that I wasn't uh, that I wasn't picking up what uh, they were uh, laying down, and it's kind of like okay, you like look. I, I don't. I, I don't want to know who that was. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, any, I, I chance to name names. But, <laughs> no. uh, any any writer who has their artist calling them to collaborate with them mm-hmm. should thank their lucky stars, right? Yeah. Like as as a writer myself, like that's the type of conversation I want to have. Right. Like, like, wouldn't you, like, I would think like, all right, like maybe, Oh, did I miss something? Maybe we can make this scene better. Like, obviously the artist is thinking about my story. Otherwise they wouldn't have contacted me. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. You, you want the process to be collaborative, honestly. Uh, I mean, some, some people I think definitely want, you know, and that uh, here's your tip for here's a tip to everyone listening uh, for how to (laughs) with an artist you kind of got to make the decision uh, do you want the artist to add their two cents and uh bring everything they have to bear and uh and you know just you know make your world that much richer or do you want this to be strictly a translation of what is in your head and and you know you're just trying to get the artist to uh execute your vision and i mean if that's what you want that's what you want. And I can almost guarantee that you're not going to get that 100% because telepathy doesn't freaking exist. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I I, like what you said, you know, my, a little bit earlier, um, you know, about what the script should be, um, what the writer should be aiming 
your mm-hmm. script and the way I, the way I look at it, it should be a love letter to yeah. the artist. Yeah. You know, the, the, <clears throat> well, the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have, I have 30 pages of poems for you. You know, I, I, the way I look at it too, is I, I think I have something in my head mm-hmm. that I want to try to put it on to paper and I want my artists to take whatever that is and just, they're going to make it a hundred times better because they do a thing that I can't convey with my words. Right. Right. And if that's the beauty of comics, right? Like if someone just wants their vision to be made Mm -hmm. real, they should be a director. Yeah. Well, even, even then, I mean, an actor is not going to, Right. No, no, no other human being is going to be able to completely 100% uh, uh, do exactly the, the thing you want or the thing that's in your head. Yeah. So. My, uh, you know, my experiences so far um, with artists save a, a couple messy situations where mm-hmm. in the beginning, but besides that, like when we actually started creating stuff, mm-hmm. um, it's been nothing but great because I, I take it as we're in this together. I can't do this without like, this is a team thing. And the best way for this team to work is that I got to lean on your strengths. And what are your strengths? You're the artist, right? Like that's that's a a team. That's any team. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, you know, if there's, you know, narrative things or plot things or or things that, you know, we need to convey, I'm going to, you know, communicate those to the artist and it's my job to do so. Um, So I, I just think it's, it's really interesting. I love talking, you know, talking to other writers, how they go about it, but it's really interesting to hear a, a artist perspective on the other side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And yeah, no, I think that, that therein lies the beauty of a collaborative creative process. Uh, it, like if you are not utilizing the full abilities of everybody on your team, then you're, I, I mean, I mean, you'll you'll come up with some. You'll come up with a piece of work, but it's not going to be as strong and everything it could have been. And you know, right? So yeah, uh, <laughs> like my, I, I don't think I have a bigger pet peeve than wasted potential. So, <laughs> right, right. Uh, so here's a. I don't know if you you've um, had to deal with this a lot, but what would your advice be to a writer? Um, you know. Uh, I'm thinking about myself maybe five, six years ago mm-hmm. where I haven't worked with anyone yet. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to a writer on how they should approach an artist? Like how do they pitch an artist for mm-hmm. their story? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that... what, do you, what do you like? I, you know, you don't have to be the you know authority on this, but like what would, right. you know, what's your take on it? Uh, things that I like. Well, uh, I personally, uh, and I, and I, I hate to go here right off the bat, but it's the truth is that I, I personally enjoy getting paid. Um, but, uh, and, and that, yeah, sorry, capitalist society and everything like that. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, well, the trade-off is if uh, I'm working on somebody else's thing, um, I'm not working on my thing. And, uh, I mean, if I, if all things being equal, uh, and there's no money involved and stuff like that, like, 
well, this thing do you think I'm going to work on? Honestly, you know, I, I, like I said, I hate to put it in those terms, but that's just, you know, like, uh, and as I, uh, as I uh, tiptoe closer to 40, uh, you know, it's one of those, you know, like uh, my time is limited and I have things that I want to accomplish before I go softly into that good night. And so, so yeah, like uh, if, uh, so I guess that might be the, that might then be the first piece of advice to anybody looking to break into this and the, uh, anybody looking to approach a writer is, or any writers, any young writers looking to approach an artist is that be respectful of their time and be respectful that this might be your passion thing, but it might not necessarily be their passion thing. And there has to be, uh, there, there, there has, no, there has to be a reward or some kind of uh, gain for uh, the artist. Um, uh, other, uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, as far as enticement in a story goes, that, uh, let's see, uh, good and interesting concepts, uh, stuff that has meat on its bones and can be, uh, and has the potential to be explored. Um, as I mentioned, I really enjoyed the world building aspects of doing impure blood and, uh, and uh, something, uh, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, the about the concept that you pitched me uh, uh, with uh, Children of the State, which I hope we get to talk about here soon, is uh, just yeah, we can go we can go into it here. Nice segue. Yeah, yeah. Go go for it. All right, sure. <laughs> um, uh, it, it's kind of the the if then then the if and then prospect of things is kind of what. Uh, gets me a little bit or, or really uh, hooks me a little bit. So if X is true, then, w- then Y must be true. Like the extrapolation of things. <clears throat> so uh, uh, children of the state, uh, the project that uh, Andrew and I are hoping to collaborate on uh, in, in the in, relatively near future. Yeah. In relatively near future shooting for uh, quarter one of uh, 2021. I'm hoping, but uh, I, I thought, um, but yeah, uh, in the not too distant future, the government has uh, regulated and licensed childbirth. <clears throat> so uh, people, uh, so you can't, essentially you can't have a kid without a license. Uh, and uh, children born without licenses become uh, agents of this organization and are there and then charged with uh, upholding the laws uh, upholding the laws uh, governing childbirth and those agents uh, colloquially known as children of the state. So, Man, you pitch it better than I do. <laughs> oh, I, love a good, I love a good pitch. I love a good pitch. Uh, let's see. Um, so, yeah. And so, like, Andrew pitched me this concept and I was like, huh, interesting. I like this. A little bit of children of men uh kind of thing going on here and uh also you know a lot of uh political uh stuff that is kind of coming to the bear uh right now in uh autumn of 2020 and yeah just a lot of uh there was just a lot there uh to play with and it kind of it very much got me thinking about things so uh 
uh, w- one of the uh, things that I like we kind of initially clicked on was, okay, so if children are, uh, you know, regulated and governed and uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew, part of Andrew's pitch was that uh, only people of means and resources, you know, uh, would be licensed to have children. So that kind of uh, means that means that children could be leveraged into uh, monetarily, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, kidnap a kid, you can, you know, blackmail a rich person. Um, so then the uh, idea that extrapolated that, uh, that that sparked in me was that uh, a cottage industry would pop up uh, that involved both child care and personal security. So we kind of wound up with a uh, uh, highly trained nanny bodyguard. Uh, I love that idea. That was yeah, like one of those like, well, that's like, yeah, one of those, like I, collaborative ideas where I was like, that makes right. so much sense. And then like, yeah, yeah. I, when you, when you started, like when we were having this discussion about like kind of what this world, like we were doing like our like initial world building stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> when you're like, yeah, there's probably like nannies with like machine guns. And I was like, <laughs> that is the greatest visual I've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life. But, and, like, but yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, I, I, and it's just, I, it, it's, it was like, Oh, that, that, that's so much fun. And I've, I've known a few people in the personal protection uh, industry and stuff like that. And just the idea of them doing childcare has been, I have found that delightful, quite frankly. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so just that and uh, kind of the toll that it takes on underclass people or uh, people without means and uh, just, yeah, the extra, like it puts it, it's, it that's, this idea essentially makes, children uh, and the having of children a commodity or uh or arguably even more so than it is now um so yeah i I think it was it's one of those things too that we're both fathers right yeah and Mm -hmm. you know i have a you know uh, fathers of daughters on top of that and so i think you know it's one of those things that for me when i initially had the concept Mm -hmm. it it was you know who am i to you know it's one of those things where I'm, I'm very interested more so now of mm-hmm. who is allowed to tell my daughter what she can and can't do. Right. And then I took it to the most extreme example. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and so I think that's where we clicked as well is like, we were kind of, you know, in the same headspace there, yeah. you know, with yeah. the, you know, what we wanted to do with it. And, um, you know, I, I just can't wait till we actually start, really digging in and, and messing around yes. with it you know it's, oh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one and you know just the stuff that you've you've shown me so far with it is uh has been great and i, I love the uh just the world building conversations that we've we've had it's been awesome yeah, yeah. uh like i said and that's that is the sign of a good idea uh, is that when it has legs, when it inspires uh, and sparks creativity, when it, uh, uh, when it, when it just gives you something to run with in a sandbox to play in, uh, that is, that is, <laughs> that's kind of everything right there. So. Uh, well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm psyched about it. I want to, I want to get this thing, I want to get this thing going. I kind of want to start working on it right now, but I know, I know when we, uh, we were, we were both, when I first pitched you this and we were talking about getting, you know, 
getting going and we're doing all of our talks. He's like, no, oh, I, you know, I got this Kickstarter coming up, but I, I could do this. I was like, well, I got another Kickstarter. I was like, all right, we gotta, yeah, we gotta, gotta pump it the is. brakes. But I know, is. you know, I know I'll, I'll probably get an email or two from a listener that's going to tell me to, uh, get on this project ASAP. So we might have we might have a fire under our butts here soon. Uh, I am okay with that. I, I I would prefer that than you know no reaction or like crickets or anything. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll take any kind of reaction uh, other than crickets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we've been you know uh, before we get out of here. Um, where where can where can people find you? And then can you talk a little bit about the Kickstarter for Impure Blood too? Absolutely. Uh, let's, you can find me at NathanLuthIllustration.com. Uh, it's my portfolio site and, you know, all my contact info and social media stuff is on there. I'm Nathan Luth Illustration on that holiest of trinity of social media is at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, you, the, you can read Impure Blood in its entirety at impurebloodwebcomic.com. I am, that's like impure, not unpure. And yeah, uh, so uh, a lot of people get that mixed up. So I-M-P-U-R-E blood.com. And uh, the Impure Blood Volume 2 Kickstarter is live until November 11th. Uh, got some really good deals going for right now. And uh, I'm also running a drawing uh, a drawing drawing uh, so every day a uh, new backer gets a free sketch card added to their pledge so uh, get in on that while you can yeah that's awesome and uh, the the campaign's doing well um, when this comes out the campaign will still be going on so make sure you guys go to kickstarter for impure blood volume 2 make sure you back that uh, and you get uh, man of sin my comic uh, you could get that uh, for free if you back uh, back Nathan's kickstarter so Go Absolutely. go get that, yeah. Uh, uh, super spooky Halloween bundle. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nate, uh, it was great talking to you, man. Uh, thanks for doing this with me. And you as well, sir. Uh, looking forward to working with you. Yeah, man. Me too. <laughs>